Hey, hey, a brand new episode of the Happy Productive Podcast is about to begin. It's time to be inspired by simple and actionable solutions for you and your business. If you're an established entrepreneur or just laying down the first brick of your future empire, the mantra is the same. We will flip any failure into a positive and use it to our advantage. This show is all about turning coal into diamonds with the right plan and mindset anything is possible. I'm Jennifer Dawn, your host, business coach, and founder of Best Planner Ever. And I'm here to help you achieve all your ambitious goals. Success is closer than you think. Let's do this. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to today's episode of the Happy Productive Podcast. I cannot wait to introduce our guest today, Miss Esther Atom. And I'm going to actually have her welcome Esther to the show. We're super excited to have you. Likewise, I'm excited to be here. Wonderful. So would you mind just take a minute or two and give our listeners a little background information on you, who you are, and how you came to be doing the work that you're doing now in the world? Okay, so I'm Esther Atim, and I help women in law and in media to develop strong voices, solid careers, and stable personal lives. And I do what I do because um, I've realized uh, from experience, and so that's personal experience, and also from looking around me, that sometimes women are scared to show up in our fullness, whatever that is. And we are scared because we've been conditioned that way. We don't want to rock the boat. We we don't want to make people uncomfortable. Yet it serves us, and this is the really ironic part, and it serves others that we are trying to appear all these things to. It serves them best when we show up in our fullness. So sometimes a woman in law or in media, right, you don't want to look ditzy because you want people to respect you. Yet, you don't want to be, you don't want to come off as too aggressive because it's going to hamper your progression. Uh, That's on one level. On another level, you want to prove that you can do the work, right? So that, and that means I'm going to put in the hours, I'm going to not complain and yada, yada, yada. But some of us also want personal lives that are as full as possible. You don't want to work all hours and miss your sister's wedding. You don't want to be dealing no mates. You might want to meet somebody romantically, have a baby, have a life. But these things take time away from the office. So you get into that situation of, oh, I don't want to speak up and say my pregnancy is difficult because then people are going to think that I'm not capable. So I'm going to keep working. But if I keep working and to prove that I can do with this thing and I'm not a liability to the office, that means that I miss my boyfriend's parents' silver wedding anniversary. So they think I'm not serious. That means I um, never get to see my child. So then I'm going to feel like a crap mom. But I've also got these fears of I need this money. I don't want all, you know, I don't want to think this thing about me. And so we carry on, right? We carry on until we are forced to stop by something, by a situation that is out of our hands. And then we learn thing, two things the hard way. One, we work to live. We don't live to work. And two, we're not as indispensable to a job, a case, an assignment, a project 
as we thought we were. So this is, I can laugh about this now, but when it happened, it was not funny. So I think it was five, six years ago, I got fired from a writing gig for a reality television show. Yeah, reality television is all scripted, by the way, but yeah. I remember that I woke <laughs> up, I woke up one morning. No, I did. I, I couldn't sleep. I don't know what the problem was. I couldn't sleep and I hadn't been sleeping and I was very stressed and I didn't know why. And I was in Lagos at the time and my husband calls me very early in the morning. And he's like, what's wrong? Something is off with you. I don't know. And I tell him I haven't been sleeping. And, yet, and he says, listen to me, how much are they paying you for you to do this to yourself? You do realize that if you die, they are going to find your replacement in the time that is going to take someone to say, oh, let's hold one minute silence for her. And he's like, Yo, go to sleep. What, what's wrong with you? And you know the funny part? I did not have to die to be replaced. As we were having that conversation, my replacement had already been found. And I didn't know that until I think it was like 48 hours later, I got a call because we were um, traveling to these different locations for a really huge brand in, in Africa. And they've got some offices in the UK and the US and everywhere. We're traveling to all these locations, but we would travel and come back to Lagos and then we'll go to a new location. So we'd done one location and I was waiting for a call to say, hey, we're ready to go to another location. And no, the call I got was, uh, we're letting you go because the client, so the overall client, so the production company says, we're letting you go because the overall client thinks that you're not Nigerian enough. You sound a bit British. I'm like... What kind of reason is that to fire somebody? (laughs) I know. Like, I am used to, if you can't do the job and you're not willing to learn and time's going, yeah, you should get fired. If you're horrible to people on location or set, I, yeah, that's fine. But what kind of excuse is you're too, you're not Nigerian enough? I'm like, but you saw my portfolio before you all hired me. I, I, yeah, and I was so embarrassed. I couldn't even call him and tell him for like couldn't call my husband and tell him for like (laughs) I don't know how long and so what I did was focus on what I already had because the the funny thing was and I bring up the story about this big brand because it's a really huge brand and I thought yeah this is gonna be my big break and you know the ironic thing is there's no way that would have been my big break because the point of reality tv is that the audience doesn't know that it's scripted Meaning my name would never have appeared boldly in credits on the screen, right? Which mm-hmm. kind of mm-hmm. defeated the yeah. aim. I'm like, but this is why I'm doing this, you know. So that that's something that I learned. And and so it, yeah, I, I focused on what it was I already had, which was my publishing company and my radio show and my blogazine, which was a marriage between a blog and a magazine. Months after I got fired from um the reality television show. I won a BEFTA in the UK for my blogazine. So it was blog of the year. And I was so blown away. I was like, hang on, this is so crazy. Like when I was actually leaving full time in the UK, I never got, I didn't even get nominated. Then I I leave and do something else. And yeah, like remember that I exist. So it's, yeah, it's one of those things where, yeah. So now I'm like, I help women to avoid my mistakes and to, show up as as fully as they can 
Oh, this is such a great story, Esther. Not that it was a great thing that happened. I totally, totally understand. And I have a similar story, too, about getting fired. And I've only been fired really once in all my whole professional career from the time that I've started working. And it was very interesting to me. For for me, it was actually a blessing. I was stuck in this big corporate company, and I was so completely miserable. I did not... I was looking for something else to do. I could not find anything. And luckily, when when uh, it happened, I walked away with a big severance package, which was a lovely thing because it gave me the cash that I needed. And honestly, it gave me the kick in the pants I needed to really separate. And I remember that day, like driving out of the parking lot, like feeling like I had literally just been released from prison. Like they opened the doors, they unchained the ball from my feet and they had like, here, you're free. You're finally free. And here's some money too. (laughs) I'm like, okay, fantastic. Right. And looking back now, I, and, 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 and like you, when I took that position, I thought this was the last job I was ever going to have. I was so happy. I thought it was my big break. Um, And the first year that I was there, I really and truly thought that it was my dream job. And it quickly turned into a nightmare. And um, I was still there for like another year, year and a half. And it was just, it was so awful. It was such a drain. And I just... Literally, it was surviving every day while I tried to to move into something new. So I I know that there are going to be people who are listening here who have been fired from something. And I didn't plan on this being the topic that we were going to talk about. But when you shared that story, I'm like, I know there's going to be people who are listening who maybe got fired from something and are feeling like there's no life after that. Like, oh my gosh, it's the end of the world. Um, But it really isn't. Right. It really isn't. And I'm, I would love to hear from you, like looking back now, because it's easy to look back now from where you were. And when you are, you're embarrassed, you're shamed, you feel so, you know, awful because this happened. But looking back now, I'm curious, like, how was that actually like a, a good thing that happened to you? And how did that make you stronger? How did that lead you to go out into the world and do bigger and better things? Okay, so before that happened, I actually had my own company. My uh, I'd, I'd um, uh, what's it called? I'd incorporated my own publishing company, and I had a radio show. I was living in Lagos, but the radio show was in the UK, which is a very it comes as a result of something else that happened in the UK. And I had my bloggerzine, but I wasn't focusing on them. I mean, I was doing the work, but I wasn't focusing on them full-time because like I said I had this external thing that I thought yo this is going to be my big break this is what's going to introduce me to the world as a writer which is ridiculous because they only hired me because I had already published a book which is you know and so when that happened I had the courage to admit a few things to myself which was that one I didn't really want to be doing that I mean I knew somehow on some level that um, reality shows were scripted, but I didn't know how bad it was. And so that was a point I, I was like, I, I don't want to do reality TV. You, you're showing people. I mean, if it's a drama or series and someone is horrible to somebody in a series and all that, that's expected. That's a character. But I'm like you, you're messing with people's real people's lives. And But by the time I realized that I had signed a contract, so I couldn't back out, right? 
And again, it's the, this is the whole, it was the most horrible contract I've ever signed in my life because I was afraid. I was afraid that they wouldn't hire me if I said what I was really worth. I acted like they were doing me a favor and they were my friends and they're not. These are business people. It is their job to get the cheapest person, blah, blah, blah. And I didn't stick up for myself. I didn't look out for myself, which is something that I tell people now. You need to look out for yourself. Yes, you know, they might not be throwing punches at you. They might be smiling at you, but these are not your friends. They're not your besties. They're business people. And so um, by the time I realized how bad a contract was, especially in terms of money and conditions, I remember that there was this one day when it rained. I mean, it rained so badly. Like The way that Lagos is, Lagos is... Um, is a water town and I don't know how they got sand and they put in some places. So whenever rain falls, it looks like the water is trying to reclaim its its position. And so the water will literally be so high. Sometimes people drown, right? And I remember that one day I had a meeting with this company and it started raining from like three o'clock or two o'clock that morning. And the person that I was staying with, she was like, I don't think you're going to make this meeting. This is ridiculous. Like, you know, and but she tried to go to work and I told her, look at the way this water is. <laughs> and then I, when I saw her coming back, I started laughing. <laughs> so it was that bad. She couldn't even leave the estate. That's what I'm saying. It was that bad. And yet I got a call from the production company asking me why I didn't come in in spite of the rain. I'm like, how was I supposed to get, do you understand? Like, until like, oh, we had a meeting. I'm like, yeah, but I don't control the weather. Surely it rained. I mean, I know that sometimes it rains in one part of town and it doesn't rain in the other part. But I'm like, look online, look on social media. People have complained about this. They have pictures, their videos. And they didn't. I was like, no. So by the time I realized how bad the deal was in terms of conditions and in terms of the money part, because I wasn't even getting that much money, it was too late for me to get out of it without very serious repercussions. And so when I got fired and I spoke to someone about it, he said to me, can you speak to them? Can you appeal? I said, the problem is I don't want to. I don't really want to do mm -hmm. this. And he said, oh, I thought you wanted this. I said, yeah, I want to do work in the industry. I want to be a writer in industry. I don't, this is not it. This is not the one. And so what I then did was I said, okay, they've taken this away that I thought was this huge thing and it turns out it's not and I'm not even happy. Instead of crying about what I don't have, why don't I focus on what I have? Because people who know me and know my work, they know this company that I have. They know my books. They know that I do this kind of, they know my radio show. That um, reality show, nobody was going to know you for that because, like I said, the whole point is people don't know that it's scripted. So they're not going to look for your name. Look at what people are looking for your name for. And I think within that time, we got another, we signed another contract, signed another author that eventually ended up uh, publishing. And then my radio show was listened to in 66 countries, which is which is just amazing. And then I got an email out of the blue saying you've been nominated for a BEFTA. A BEFTA is like the Black Oscars and it's popular in the UK, um, or it was at the time. I don't know what's happened now. But it means Black Entertainment, Film, Fashion, Television and Arts Award. And then I got nominated for Blog of the Year. I just remember being so confused. I was like, why? 
And someone was like, but you run a blog. I was like, oh, yeah, that's true. I run a blog. Like I had, at this point, I was so focused on making my bloggers in the best and giving my audience what I knew they would, you know, that they would value that I wasn't thinking about, it, it didn't even occur to me. So I, because I had always seen myself as a writer first and a blogger and a second and, and a radio presenter third, and I had never been, I mean, I'd been nominated for author of the year, but I didn't win. And that was my focus. I was like, oh my, it would be nice one day, but this is what I do. And this thing comes up and then People from all over, so people who are listening to my radio show from all these countries and people who I've interviewed for the Bloggerzine, because I had a column called Black Power, which was uh, a celebration of black people who were not mainstream celebrities, but I felt needed to be known. And that happened because very many years ago, there was this horrible, horrible case in the UK of teenage boys who chased one of their classmates into London Victoria Station in broad daylight and killed him. And anyone who's been in London just knows London Victoria Station is, I think that's the second busiest station in all of London. And this is broad daylight. There's traffic everywhere. How do you chase? You don't care whether you're going to be seen. How do you chase somebody in broad daylight lots of human traffic in front of people and they stabbed this boy, they killed him. And so there was that thing of, hang on, there are no black role models. And so that was my whole thing behind starting Black Power. And so, of course, these people are coming with audiences of their own and they're happy. And so by the time I knew it, I got these uh, messages because I didn't attend the ceremony. I wasn't in the country at the time. I woke up the morning after the ceremony, turned on my phone and I've seen all these messages. Congratulations, you won. I'm like, wow, getting fired. Wasn't so bad after all. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's so great. And I love one of the things you said about how you didn't really, you were in a bad contract. It wasn't a good deal for you. And honestly, getting fired was such, it's, I I believe there's definitely a higher power and I just call it the universe. Everybody who knows who's listening, it's whatever your uh, beliefs, your higher power is. But I believe that, you know, there was something working for you. And sometimes the way that it works, right? The way that it works for you is by getting fired. And we can add all of our own shame or junk on top of that. But really, and and I do believe that sometimes if we have been let go, like there are definitely lessons there for us to look at, you know, and maybe we did something to deserve getting fired. I, I don't think I did. I don't think you did. You know, I mean, to be like, oh, you're not Nigerian enough. I mean, give me a break. Come on. You know, so maybe we didn't do anything necessarily, but maybe we did. And maybe there's a lesson there for us to learn but there's absolutely life after that. And I think better life because when I hear you talk about all the good things that you were doing in the world through your blog, through your writing, and that stuff was put a little bit maybe on the back burner while you were focusing yeah. on the reality show, like that's the real work. Like that's what you're supposed to be doing. And I love how the universe just said, no, Esther, let's go over here and let's refocus you and let's redirect you on your higher and your better work and the change that you can actually have in the world that let's face it, we're not going to get through any kind of reality TV show because they call it reality, but it is not reality. No, no. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. So wonderful. Um, 
I would love to know. So now the work that you're doing to help empower women, do you feel like that is more of your true calling? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I think that sometimes you go through things or you you go through certain paths to find to find what it is that you're supposed to be doing, if that makes sense. And sometimes, I mean, I've, from a pretty young age, I, I thought I knew, right, this is what I want to do. And, and then everything else. So I didn't, I didn't, I saw everything else that, I, that happened or that I was doing as a distraction or this horrible thing that happened and didn't realize that they were actually giving me skills and knowledge to get to, where it was that I needed to be and, and, and what it is that I needed to do. And I think that for a lot of women, perhaps men, we are raised with this, oh, have a goal and that's great. Have a goal and focus on the goal and be, you know, uh, just focus on it, don't look at anything else. But that can be a problem in itself because when you're so um, tunnel visioned, if that's, and I don't, you know, sometimes when someone says tunnel vision, it's not a bad thing. But in this case, it is because you're not taking time to notice the roses or smell the coffee or anything. And sometimes you get to that point where you think you want to get to and you find out, hang on, this is not what I wanted or it doesn't fill you with joy. I remember about 30 minutes after finding out that I'd won the BEFTA, I felt, I don't know what it was I thought I was going to feel, but whatever it was, after that initial euphoria what of nothing else, right? And I remember thinking, oh my God, it's so good that I am actually happy already in my personal or prof- and professional life, or else this would have been horrible. And I think that that was when I understood how, how it is that people who have a lot of money and fame, they just wake up one day and then they kill themselves and they say they were depressed. And, you know, if you've never been in that position, you kind of go, well, you have everything that you want. No, those things are not, they're not going to give you joy. They can make your life easier. And, you know, it's always good to have money when you need to buy something. But those things in themselves don't make you happy, right? And even in a personal relationship, for instance, you know, some women you're taught, oh, focus on the wedding, focus on the wedding, like that's the goal. And so you focus on this having this huge wedding you and so you don't take time to get to know yourself and you don't take time to get to know the guy and then you you get to the wedding and um two months later you're depressed or less than two months later what of course you're going to be depressed you spent like more than 21 years building up to this one thing no guy no matter how good and patient and loving a guy is he's not going to fulfill you because it's not his job right and it's not even fair you can't put everything on that one person what about you right and so it's all that stuff like you so you get to that point and you find out hang on I don't have any other skills I don't have it I don't have a life I don't have it and so that's why you're now depressed because this thing that you've built up this I mean and the wedding is not even a full day it's like I don't know what 10 minutes so you spent all this time spent all this money blah 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 and that's it even in a career, right? So you go, oh, um, I, I want to shoot this music music video because then it's going to be really dope and all that. But there are other human beings, you know, you talk to them like people. The, the video shoot, music video might be the goal, but there's a director, there's lighting, there's all this. These are real human beings who, yes, they might be paid, but there's no need to treat you know, to be an asshole to people just because you're paying them, right? Because they're not going to want to work with you again. And that one video, music video, cannot be the be all and end all of your career. You are going to need these people again, right? So it's all that stuff of 
I need to look at this. I need to look at that. Oh, okay, I can learn this. Because even if I did study law, I actually trained as an actress beforehand. So I the certain things that I know and that people, because I don't talk about it in certain places, people just think, oh, she, she doesn't know what she's doing or, oh, she's just naturally talented. I'm not. I learned that stuff somewhere. And so it's that, okay, this is how you deal with people. This is how you deal with people in this country. This is how you deal with people in this industry. You need to, and just, you know, I mean, at the moment, I help women in law and in media develop strong voices. I help because you want to be heard. I help them develop solid careers, you know, because you want some longevity. And I help, you know, with stable personal lives because you don't want all this stuff and not to have a personal life. And you don't know, nobody wants to die in the office, right? But this is something that, I don't know, it's difficult, but at the same time, it comes easily to me. Not because I woke mm-hmm. up one day and said, oh, I'm going to be a coach. I, that, that is the one thing I never thought I was going to ever do. Um, but because of everything that I have been through and I've learned along the way and I'm still learning, you know, it, it's, it's easier. It's easier. And just because I've proven that certain things can be done. So it helps because sometimes people are like, oh, this has never been done before. I'm like, yeah, I, I did that there. Didn't you see? Because sometimes people, people are afraid, right? I, I, I talk about um, three kinds of people that are tired of the status quo. And the first are people who they, they're just tired of a bad situation, but they've never seen, they don't have any reason to know that anything else is possible. So they just manage that and they're dying in silence. The second category are people who have seen or experienced different somewhere else, but they can't they cannot um, translate that different into their current reality. They don't have the funds, they don't have the connections, whatever. And there are the third people who they haven't seen different, but they feel deep down that this can't be it. So it's like, you know, somebody who maybe they grew up in an abusive home or, or they've only ever seen horrible relationships. But even if they have no logical reason to expect that there are good relationships, they say, no, I know that there are good relationships and when I see it, I don't know what it looks like, but I'm sure that when I see it, I will know. So those are three kinds of people that are tired of status quo. And if you show up embodying or offering or showing what they knew was possible or just something different or something that they go, hang on, this looks like what I thought it would look like, but I didn't know what to articulate. They're going to follow you. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you, you touched on so many really, really important points. I want to go back to one of the things that you said about your happiness. And guys, everybody who's listening, our happiness is our responsibility. It is not the responsibility of another person to make us happy. And even if you're in a relationship with a person who's actually putting their happiness on you, it's, it's your responsibility to make them happy. It really isn't. It really and truly isn't. We have to take responsibility for our own happiness and look at our lives. And if there are things in our lives that are not making us happy, we need to do the work. And I even want to go, I see this a lot of times with clients and like you, Esther, I never grew up going, oh, I want to grow up and be a coach. It just sort of found me. It wasn't something that I thought about, you know, like, oh, when I grow up, I want to be this. But now that I am, I absolutely love it. But it came from all of these very difficult life experiences and being able to overcome these things and then being able to take that. And I'm sure like, like you and me, we have very similar, we're very similar here that we want to now use these challenges in our lives to help other people move forward and to help shorten their curve. 
And you don't always grow up thinking, oh, yeah, I want all these bad things to happen to me so that later on I can help other people. It's just sort of like, right, let me use all of this as and be a force for good, despite these things that happened. But this is truly one of the things I've learned. And if you're listening and you find yourself in a situation where you are pointing the finger at everything else, you know, it's my husband, it's my wife, it's my partner, it's my kids, it's my business, it's my employees, whatever. And you spend all this time talking about, well, if only they were different, then I could be happier. That's a sign, you guys. That's a big red flag. You need to work on you. (laughs) Quit worrying about everybody else, you know, for a minute and refocus all that energy and attention on yourself because often the things that we are bitterly complaining about in other people are actually our own stuff, our own insecurities, our own lack of confidence, our own trauma, our own stuff that we have not healed. And it's really easy to see that in other people. And because it's our deepest pain, we can see it in them, but it's uncomfortable to work on it for ourselves. And so just as a fun little exercise and takeaway from the show, you know, think about what you're complaining for somebody else and mirror it back to yourself. And and see if there's not some truth there of whatever it is that you're finding fault in other people for if you if the actual fault isn't within you and then don't judge yourself with that but just you know think about that for a second and look at where you need to go in your life and where are you in a victim mindset where are you not stepping fully into your power where do you need to heal and grow and and focus your energy and your intention there Esther, I'm curious, like with you, did you find that there was a time where you had to kind of refocus and rechannel to to reclaim your own power yourself? Absolutely. Um, so I I write multicultural fiction, but I do that under my maiden name. And it's aimed at women who are 18 and above who want to be independent, strong, and fulfilled, right? And I before my first book was released oh was it just after i met this so-called pastor who told me how that um i was offensive to god because i wasn't he said you don't write bible you you need to only use your gift for this blah 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 and you know after i recovered from my initial shock i had to ask myself what did i do to put myself in a position where he believed that his opinion was important to me or should be important to me. I'm like, you're not even, you're not my pastor. You're not my father. You're not my husband. You're not, you. who are you? And so in that moment, um, I had to come to terms with the fact that, hang on, you are a people pleaser. This is why you attracted this person who then told you something and now you want to try and change everything that you are to, you know, so that people will like you. And it, it's, um, this is a lesson that a lot of people, including writers, don't, um, don't know until they are quite well in their journey. And it's that you're not for everyone. And that's completely mm-hmm. okay. Right. And right. that's why when I introduce myself as the person who writes so I, when I use my maiden name, it's I write multicultural fiction for XYZ. I am trying to remove everyone who is not 
XYZ, that thing that I have mentioned, right? If you are not a woman who, if you don't like multicultural fiction, it's not for you. And that's fine. Go look for something else. If you don't like multicultural fiction for women who are age 18 and above, who want to be independent, strong and fulfilled, and it's not that they hate men. It's just that I don't write stories where a man is the center of any woman's story. That is ridiculous. You know, I have a husband I love very much and is, you know, loves me as well, but he is not the primary character in my life story. It's not possible. I am, you know, I feel no woman should be the supporting character in her own story. And so if you're looking for that kind of thing, it's not for you. And so, you know, and I get it. A lot of authors think, oh, I want to be a bestseller. And so that means I, I, I have to have all these people, you know, so many people like my work. And again, you know, whether it's, oh, I, I have to be like this as a woman so that everybody will like, not everybody's going to like you, like get over it. And so that was for me just zeroing in on why does this person think he's important enough and finding out, oh, that's why <laughs> I'm the one making you feel important. Now be gone. Uh, you're not that important. So yeah, that's, yeah. Right. You know, and I love that I, I do believe the universe will send us these, I don't know if I want to call it an adversary, or sometimes it's just a person who will say something to us, which is just cruel, harsh, mean, you know, not a very nice thing to say. But in many ways, I love how it will strengthen us if we will allow that to happen, where, you know, him saying something that your gift, you know, is you're you're not you know, it's not from God because of you're wasting your gift. That's crap because obviously your creativity to write the stories that you write, that is the true gift. But by saying something to you like that, it really strengthens you because it's like, hey, this person said this to me and you know what? It's okay. I can rise above it. I don't have to get sucked down into it. I don't have to let it stop me. And in many ways, it will help us clarify if we're on that fence a little bit and not really sure about who we are, somebody like that mm. comes into our lives and they say these things, right? And it really is actually a gift to help us get that clarity and that resolve and tap our power. And so you guys, if you're listening, like anytime that's happened to you or somebody has said something to you and it's really cut you, I really want to encourage you to, to take the gift away from it. Turn that into, well, how did that actually help me? And then don't carry it. Let it go. <laughs> Let them go. And don't keep carrying that pain of what that caused you when they said or did whatever it was that they said or did. But take the gift away that helped you step into your power and helped you learn more about who you are and strengthen your own resolve because there's absolutely a gift there. Esther, this has been a fabulous conversation. I appreciate it so much. And so I would love for you to just share um, with everybody if they want to find out more about you, where can they find you? Okay, so you can find me at estheretim.org forward slash links. That links is really important or else you might get lost on the site. So that's E for Esther, S for Sierra, T for Tango, H for Hotel, another E for Esther, R for Romeo, another E for Esther, T for Tango, I for India, and M for Mother, dot org forward slash links. You will find, you'll find everything you need on there. It's uh, whether it's uh, my books or how you can work with me or what I can do for you and just more information about me so that you will know whether we would be a good fit. 
Absolutely. Thank you so much for being here today. And you guys, I just want to leave you with one quick parting thought. So, you know, if you've been fired, I promise there is life after firing and it is probably way, way better than anything that you could ever imagine. If you're a business owner and if you're in a situation where you need to fire one of your people for whatever reason, um, I often see business owners, right? They hesitate to do this. They hesitate to let people go, but yeah. It's actually not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. It's like not. if you're in that it's situation, not. it's not because you need to free yourself. You need to free them. You need to open the door for somebody new to come in and you need to open that door for that person to go out and find what they want to have too. And what so um, there's to, another great yeah. way to, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I, so if you're a business owner in that situation. Sorry to interrupt you. Yeah. But um, I think this is the one thing that I would tell my younger self and I tell everyone, this would have helped me to just save myself so much aggro, so much pain and waste of money. And it is learn to recognize people, things and situations for what they are, not what your ego or emotion would prefer and treat them accordingly. So like you mentioned, a, a business owner not wanting to fire someone, that is so true because sometimes you don't, sometimes Someone goes, oh, I, I don't have enough money to pay for someone with those skills, so I'm going to get my BFF in instead. And that BFF is going to ruin your business because it's one of two things. Either they don't really like you like that and they just, you know, they're going to steal your ideas and all that. And then sometimes they really like you. They are not a friend of me, but they don't have the necessary skills. But because of that relationship that you already have, you think, oh, I don't want them to feel bad. You don't want them to feel bad. You, you're you letting them deal with your bookkeeping and your accounts. You are going to go to jail for tax issues. And then where's your friendship going to go, you know, going to end then? Like, you know, and it's it's just literally, whether it's in personal or in business stuff, like learn how to recognize people, things and situations for what they are, not what your ego or emotion would prefer, and then treat them accordingly. Oh, that's such great insight to to end our show on and the ego, right? To not let your ego get in the way. Um, this is one of the greatest learning lessons of my life is to always just check the ego, set it aside. It serves its purpose for things that it needs to, but generally when we let our ego get in the way, it can so cloud our judgment and our thinking and our decisions. And so just set that ego aside. Don't let it get in the way. Fabulous. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Esther, for being here with me today. I really, really appreciate thank you for it. Having me. You're welcome. And for all of our listeners, I know there were so many like truth bombs in today's episode. I really hope that you take something away so that you can take it and use it to empower yourself on your journey moving forward. So that's it, you guys. Get out there and have a happy, productive day. I hope you found today's episode of the Happy Productive Podcast inspiring. Every successful business is formed by a set of small, consistent, and attainable steps. If you want to learn more, come visit us at jenniferdawncoaching.com to take your next step and learn how to meet your business goals. On our website, you're going to find free resources along with links to the life-changing coaching programs that have transformed the lives of so many of our clients, including the Coaching Academy and our Unbreakable Retreats. Many of them started their journey by listening to this podcast. That's it. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for our next episode.
the She Leads Podcast Network.